0: Hey, everybody, this is Zach Bolton, ADR director with Funimation, and this is a Toonami Faithful podcast exclusive.
1: Hey, Toonami Faithful, Jim Nelson back with you at Anima Boston, and I am here with not a voice actor per se, but Zach Bolton, an ADR director, for Funimation, so this is actually going to be really fun because uh, you got to think of outside the box of normal questions that you got to ask. So, uh, how's it going? So, good. Uh, enjoying yourself here in Boston? I'm having a great time. Yeah. He's got a Red Sox hat. He's, we've <laughs> already got him. He's already trapped. I came prepared. Exactly. So, um, I guess the first question is: How do they select? A, we know how they select voice actors, but how do they select directors for anime?
0: Uh, well, uh, I'd say most of the, the staff at Funimation, at least, um, mm-hmm. comes from two different paths. Mm-hmm. Uh, one path is starting as a voice actor mm-hmm. and basically showing a, a proficiency for understanding how a whole episode kind of gets put together mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, the dynamic of laying down the voices um, mm-hmm. in the manner that we do. Uh, the other way, uh, which is actually the the path that I took, was starting as an audio engineer. Mm. So I did that for several years, where it was essentially on the job training. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm sitting there uh, doing all the technical stuff, sitting next to the director, mm-hmm. and getting that day in day out experience. Yeah. So it's basically two two and a half years of on the job training, and it's I found it invaluable for nice. <laughs> for the transition from going from engineering to directing
1: right um so what makes a good dub script to you aside well, from just hitting the flaps <laughs>
0: <laughs> hitting the flaps is definitely important um, having things be be conversational you know where and and sort of paying attention to the way people speak and the ease of which the dialogue comes out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can have lines that end up getting a little bit clunky or they're difficult to say or Mm -hmm. specific word order that the actor may have a little trouble putting these syllables together or these certain sounds together. Right, right. Um, So I'd say a good script, not only is it accurate with the flaps and accurate to the the translation and what we're trying to do with the Mm -hmm. show and, and being in tone with it, but also having... Good, smooth dialogue that right. that comes out easily and feels natural.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, one of the shows that you've directed was Soul Eater, mm-hmm. and that has made it to Toonami. So,
0: which I'm uh, extremely excited about.
1: Yes, uh, I've uh, everybody I've talked to, whether it's Funimation, Aniplex, or anybody who's had something who's involved with Toonami, has just been like, "Oh my god, we made it to <laughs> Toonami! We're on TV!" You know. So, um, it, this is a general question I've been asking everybody. But what's it like for like from a director's standpoint, what's it like to see something that you were you and a bunch of actors worked hard on to make it to television and be so hotly anticipated?
0: You know, it's it's pretty cool because this is I've had a couple other things end up on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did Shin Chan also, which ran on Adult Swim for yes. for a while, um, and that that was pretty exciting because uh, that was my first really big one that yeah. that was on TV. Um, in fact, we kind of had a little watching party the first time it was it aired. Uh, a bunch of the the cast and crew kind of got together and watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but seeing Soul Leader, which when we started working on the dub, we knew its potential. We knew what kind of show it could be. We knew what, that it could be this hit, this this popular, uh, you know, kind of fan explosion of. Mm-hmm. Uh, see cosplayers out here half of them are Soul leader yeah it seems um and we always knew that getting it on tv was one of the main goals um right. so when it took several years you know we had finished the thing and still no tv deal still no tv deal that's always one of my hopes yeah you know obviously i don't really have any control over that in, <laughs> yeah. in my role uh <coughs> So, all I can do is kind of sit back and and hope that some of the stuff that I works on yeah, exactly. gets to an audience uh, as wide as tsunami mm-hmm. um, so it's 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 really satisfying seeing it kind of come back around mm-hmm. several years later after we actually did the dub um, to to get that recognition mm-hmm. for for the show and what it is
1: right now um was there anything personal that you would like to see on Tsunami? Because I mean, we, we just <laughs> we just saw um, as an Anime Boston an exclusive, we saw a new show called Michiko Tohachin, mm-hmm. and that is and um, that was incredible. Uh, Monica Rial, who played Michiko, believes it's Tsunami worthy. Do you think it's? I think it's
0: absolutely Tsunami worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was actually the first time I'd gotten to see the dub. I'd heard about mm-hmm. some of the stuff they were working on mm-hmm. uh, with with Chris Bevins and, and Monica and mm-hmm. everybody else uh, but I hadn't actually got to see it until the mm-hmm. premiere last night so that was pretty exciting to actually watch it and it was it was great mm-hmm. um, yeah I highly recommend that um, let's see I've got a couple other things that I'm currently working on that would be awesome if it ended up there mm-hmm. later on but I can't talk about those just yet mm-hmm. um, if I had to pull one from kind of my library of stuff I've worked on in the past that never got onto TV—I would say—Darker than Black.
1: Oh, yeah, that's um, that's uh, actually pretty highly requested as well. It's so.
0: it was that's another personal favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got really invested in in the process. Um, really mm-hmm. fell in love with the show, and always felt that it was it was a great fit for a TV audience mm-hmm. because it works on so many levels. So, in in some ways, kind of like Soul Eater, mm-hmm. where you don't even necessarily have to be, you know, a hardcore anime fan mm-hmm. to appreciate it. It's got elements of all different types of TV genres. It's, right, it's right. very sci-fi oriented. It's got uh, a lot of good kind of mystery plot elements, um, you know, if you like detective shows. Uh, there are a lot of – there's a lot of carryover. So it, mm-hmm. I think it, it really holds a lot of appeal to a broad audience. Right. Um, so the, I would say, yeah, Dark than <laughs> the Black.
1: So, yeah, actually, yeah, like I said, that one's been pretty hotly requested. Um, it definitely fits in the action format that Toonami wants to take. Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh, I have the original series. I, I think it'd be a good fit.
0: I think I it'd be a great fit, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, what are your thoughts on Toonami as a block and what it does for the anime industry at large?
0: I think... Uh, I'm the most obvious answer to that, uh, in my opinion, would just be the exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know the numbers on how many homes Toonami's in or mm-hmm. any kind of Nielsen. Oh, stuff.
1: we actually or, yeah, we have very diligent people <laughs> that actually post the ratings for us every week, <laughs> and um, you know, it's really not a, just about ratings; it's about winning in demographics, which yeah. Toonami's been doing a lot yeah. of. So.
0: And that kind of exposure for anime, for you know, a lot of these shows that we work on. Um, and being able to get out there outside of people who are specifically seeking out shows that they know about, um, mm-hmm. you know, ordering DVDs or watching things yeah. uh, by streaming them, um, that's a little bit more of a, of a niche audience where right. it's, it's a very focused, you know, people are setting up to see a certain show, mm-hmm. whereas Toonami, you throw on the TV turn it on the channel at the at the right time and, and watch several different shows you can get that uh, exposure to to different titles that you may not be familiar with give mm-hmm. them a chance start getting involved um, and yeah just the, the exposure to to a, a larger audience
1: yeah we also have the advantage of an audience that doesn 't sleep too much right. so, <laughs> so the 12 to 6 a.m format plus our plus our general ages works for uh, for uh, this uh, resurrected tsunami, which exactly, um, and I there's mean.
0: always a need for for good programming on at that time because oh yeah, there are a lot of people that are up that that late, and especially in the in the age of DVR, also if you're <clears> not up that late, you just select the show you want to watch and watch it when you can.
1: But you gotta watch it. Remember, folks, you gotta watch it because if you just record it, it doesn't count. You got to be right. able to watch it too. So. <laughs> Um, which, you know, that works too because uh, I'm not going to be home tonight but my sister back in uh, back on the North Shore is going to be um, re- uh, DBRing Toonami for mm-hmm. me tonight so I'll be able to see the whole thing. That's awesome. All the bumps, all the great <laughs> stuff, all the stuff we grew up with. So um, moving away from Toonami, uh, we usually hear a lot from voice actors and all the funny stories that they have. See, uh, you know, Tatum's snuggy story or something <laughs> like that. But directors it seems like they always have a different take so do you have any uh stories that you would like to share from the other side of the glass
0: as far as funny or amusing stories from Uh, anything
1: anything you can think of anything that you think would be wonderful to put to air
0: (laughs) basically something funny happens a couple times an hour (laughs) Uh, the recording process is, is actually a lot of fun um and that's one of the things I try, I try to do as a director is really kind of keep the the mood light and fun mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's still a business, so there's right right you've got a, a certain amount of work that you have to get through, and, and you've got deadlines, deadlines and everything. Um, but as we're recording, I really try to keep keep the mood light, mm-hmm. keep uh, keep the actors comfortable. Yeah, um, I find that you get a much better performance from a comfortable actor rather mm-hmm. than somebody who's you know, not having a good time, or they're just in a bad mood. Yeah. Um, so that does lead to to a lot of funny stuff. Um, yeah, there are all kinds of people falling down off stools, or uh, I'm not going to name names, but we had a, a girl in one time. It was ten o'clock in the morning, first session of the day. She walks in, sets this enormous forty-four ounce drink down on the stand. That's uh, on a drink stand that's in the booth. Mm-hmm. She turns to look through the glass over to me. She hasn't even said anything yet. Mm-hmm. Knocks it over and in mid-air this, this 44-ounce drink of ice and liquid is falling and it's like slow motion. Where <laughs> ice is going out. Liquid is slowly mm-hmm. flying through the air.
1: It could a Burana music and Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she just looks up very slowly and has this terrified look and just says I'm in trouble before it even hit the ground. Like, all right, we'll we'll get the paper towels. We'll clean clean it up. Um, so stuff like that happens. Uh, people. Uh, another favorite of mine is is uh, when people kind of misinterpret words mm-hmm. in funny ways. Um, they'll just read a read a sentence and not quite get the the context um, or read a word and for some reason their their brain just doesn't quite process it mm-hmm. um, again without naming too many names you know <laughs> they, like reading a reading a script and and getting to the word compromise mm-hmm. and you know having an actor get there and go blah 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 blah, blah but compromise a calm promise.
1: sounds like a Tatumism uh, yeah. to me.
0: <laughs> yes, I know I rag on Tatum a lot, but I love him. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> or uh, we had some some auditions uh, actually for uh, Aeonica Seven. AO, yes, which can't wait we for that. Premiered this weekend here in Boston. Um, we were we were having auditions, and there was a, a line for one of the characters uh, where he's uh, this character Truth is kind of floating above the in the air and he's he's very much the villain of the show and Mm -hmm. his line is you blind ignorant little people (laughs) and we had an auditioner misinterpret the the context and and just misread it and (laughs) said you blind ignorant little people (laughs) so it's those kind of things can be can be pretty amusing uh we spend a lot of time with words, so we're always finding fun ways to to kind of play with words and and double meanings and, and yeah. that kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> I can only imagine, especially with some of the uh, dirtier-minded. Yeah,
0: yeah. And when you spend all day in a in a room without windows, mm-hmm. in this little hole of a of a recording booth, uh, yeah, you can. Things can get a little goofy.
1: Yeah, the cone of silence, as yeah. it were, you know. <laughs> so um, you also do a, a line producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a line producer. So how does that role differ from in voiceover than it does in straight film?
0: Well, primarily what I do in that role uh, for for voiceover stuff, it's it's more or less a combination of quality control and. Um, sort of making sure things get done on time, mm-hmm. things are moving slowly, making sure uh, the booth, uh, the director, the engineer, the actor, everybody has what they need, um, sort of facilitating uh, the the production side with other departments mm-hmm. um, and kind of making sure everything's moving through the, the recording process smoothly, that um, things are kind of getting into the mix side of things and mm-hmm. on, on down the chain. Um, so it's a little bit more of that kind of work.
1: Yeah. So, but it's, it's still a, as a go between, between the, uh, the actors and the, right. you know, and other departments that you might need to, you know, fetch something from right. or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I, I read it line producer it was like, so are you the guy that actually like, you know, produces the lines or <laughs> I took it too <laughs> literally. <laughs> So, um, in addition to all this stuff, I mean, this guy's the Swiss Army knife of uh, Funimation, I guess. Um, I've
0: been there about 10, 12 years now, so... <laughs> oh, wow. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, I, I started when I was... Oh, geez, my first summer I was 19 years old. Oh, wow. So... Yeah.
1: Wow. Man. I've kind of grown up
0: there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, you've also gotten behind the mic yourself mm-hmm. a couple times. So, when you're behind the mic, do you, how hard is it to fight the urge to self-direct because that's what you that's your bread and butter?
0: It's it's kind of a weird thing because on one hand, I just completely let go and it's it's kind of a nice thing to just free yourself and not mm-hmm. have to worry about things as much and let somebody else direct you. Mhm. You know, read through the script and kind of form uh, my interpretation of what the line's going to be and, and how it's going to read mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but then because I'm not necessarily as familiar with a show I might be voicing as mm-hmm. obviously the director of that show, yeah. um, they're going to be able to provide much better context and, and why a line needs to be read a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of nice to be able to just let go and, and let somebody else do that, right? Right. Um, at the same time, it's basically impossible to turn off. <laughs> I can't. I can't see a line and not start forming my own way of this is how I would do it. Um, I, I basically go into autocorrect mode with the flaps, also <laughs> because I'm, you know, watching the flaps as we're recording when I'm directing. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly wanting to make adjustments on timing, um, the right. way I'm seeing things. Um, and and yeah, just kind of not being able to turn off the director yeah. side. That even spills into watching other forms of TV. Wow! Or or uh, from an audio side, listening to radio or music or whatever. Um, just having sort of a, a critical ear yeah. and and listening to things um, from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of once you get in that mindset, it's. It's impossible to yeah. turn off. If I see a commercial <laughs> where a line has been obviously eighty yard yeah. and and it's not syncing up, yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can <laughs> so, imagine.
0: I could be I can fix that. Yeah. And I see it and I wanna fix it. It's that it's just that innate uh yeah, process that I'm I'm used
1: to. You've trained your ear to do exactly. that. I mean, yeah. I mean, Crispin Freeman talks about that. You know, from an acting standpoint, but it shows that the critical ear exists for everything. Mm-hmm. It, no matter what it is. So, um, yeah, there's all that. And then Jose has that. Our edit, our video editor Jose has that. Uh, eye for it as well right. and all that. So, I mean, yes, it it exists in all forms. So if you have a critical ear, it it, it works. It, it's it's a thing. It's not nitpicking. It's just you, I mean, you when, have that vision, you know? Yeah,
0: and when you've trained yourself to, to look for these things or listen for these things mm-hmm. and you spend so many hours working on it day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Again, I've been doing this for uh, 10 years consistently or consecutively, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, plus a little bit of time earlier on, mm-hmm. but... I mean, when you think about the number of hours all day, every day yeah. in the booth, you know, whereas a lot of the voice actors, even if they have a lot of roles, they're kind of bouncing around between different shows. They may right. be working a few hours a time, sometimes longer days. Mm. But I'm in there every day with each one of the actors on every session. Yeah. So the the sheer number of hours that I've spent in the booth over right. 10 years is... well, I mean, I haven't done the math, but it's a lot. <laughs>
1: Don't ask me to do math. I mean, asking me to do math is like putting me in charge of the Large Hadron Collider. So so, um, so are you the one that makes the casting decisions? And if so, what kind of qualities do you look for from character to character?
0: Uh, yes, yes. Um, the director typically has has pretty much full control over casting. Mm-hmm. There are times when... Certain characters need to be approved by uh, the rights holders, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. depending on contract situations with different shows. Makes sense. Um, sometimes uh, a producer um, might have some kind of say in in some of the cast, but for the most part, mm-hmm. it's primarily done by each individual director.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: usually what I'm looking for, it's it's a combination of things. It's... You know, kind of knowing the show, knowing the tone of the show and and who's going to be right for different parts. Um, you know, depending, uh, I like to kind of mix it up and I kind of go back and forth. You know, yeah. I think every director has their favorites
1: <laughs> right, right, as far
0: as actors to work with. Um, and you could probably tell some of mine from some of my casting <laughs> yeah. in, in shows. Um, but I do like to, to mix it up as well and... and Try to work in some different voices, and um, really, one of the main things I look at though when I'm assembling a cast after the audition process and everything mm-hmm. is not only how do the the individuals individual characters sound and are they right for those characters, mm-hmm. but how does the whole group sound together? You know, trying to create a voice not just for the individuals, but the the whole the show as a whole. Yeah. You know, so you know, even if if actor A is in two different shows Mm -hmm. the show still sounds different you might recognize that voice and go oh that's you know that's Jason Liebrecht or you know Chris Abbott or whoever Um, but the the feel of the show has a different feel and it's own unique voice as a collective of the of the cast Um, so it's kind of you know, the, the bigger picture on the, the casting puzzle.
1: Right, right. Uh,
0: and that's one of the things I actually really enjoy about the job is, is putting that puzzle together and then kind of seeing how, how it all works out. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you did mention, you know, you have a lot, of, you have, you know, people that you go back to and, uh, aside from, you know, familiarity and knowing how to do the job, because, you know, let's face it, some dubs have incredibly tight deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think some directors like to go back to the same people repeatedly? Is it kind of a rapport that you have with it, the it, There's definitely
0: a rapport factor. Mm. Um, certain directors just work better with certain actors. It's like that, really, with any kind of working mm. situation. Yeah. You find people who you establish a trust, and you know how to work with that person, You and you get along really well, and, mm. yeah, you have that rapport, and... Um, it's It's a natural fit um, and so I think that's that's a lot of it yeah, uh, yeah. you know uh it can come down to availability and yeah. and some other things like that too uh but i I think most for the most part it's you know you, you want to work with the people that you like and that you have a good rapport with and you know can. <laughs> do the work and and do it well and do it efficiently and Mm -hmm. um so that's that's a big part of it yeah
1: Mm -hmm. so in we've been seeing a lot of fresh faces at Funimation which is great by the way Mm -hmm. uh you know it kind of you know compensates for the great migration we've had (laughs) of a lot of guys going west between uh Todd Habercorn Uh Jeremy Lee or something like that I I don't know how to pronounce her last name Lee yeah Lee okay Jeremy Lee and uh you know there's a lot of people who have made that transition west mm-hmm. despite the same you know you have that those core guys usually from Texas that mm-hmm. stay so um with the new with the new guys like we'll like we 'll see in our like a seven a o what is the um, like you know what, when do you find it necessary or advantageous to go with the newcomers
0: we're always looking for new people mm-hmm. that's uh, the, the more the, the bigger talent pool that we can have um, mm-hmm. and the d- more diversity that we can that we have with uh, the actors that we work with mm-hmm. uh, the better the product's going to be mm-hmm. um, there's a little bit of a learning curve as far as the dub process because right. it's not it's fairly unique mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not quite like film acting it's not quite like theater acting we have people come in um, from those backgrounds and may some people we get recommendations from other actors right, it's like right. this guy's great on stage and sometimes we bring people in and it just doesn't quite translate as well yeah it's so just a, a dub process yeah you know it's you're you're limited you don't you're not able to use facial expressions and body mm. language and you're you're constrained by the time limit of the flaps right so it's it's a very technical side of acting in addition to the creative process um not to mention some people's voices are just picked up by a mic better yeah. than others right um and in some situations like that it's you know there's some natural ability right. that's there um so we're always trying to work new people in uh mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a kind of get people up to speed and yeah um, sometimes you just have to throw a new person into the fire, and uh, actually, Jeremy is a great example. Yes. Uh, her first role with Funimation um, was actually with me on a show called Peach Girl.
1: Oh, yeah, she mentioned uh, Peach Girl a yeah. lot. Or, uh, yeah,
0: um, that was her first role with Funimation, and she came in and auditioned, and mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I was trying to get kind of a different feel with the cast and right. bring in some new faces mm-hmm. um, or voices, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you don't need to see their face. Um, she came in and auditioned, and even though she didn't have dubbing experience, um, I could tell that her acting chops were—I mean, they, they were unquestioned. It was—they yeah. were girl, there. This girl is great. We need to start her working immediately right. with us. So rather than kind of starting her off on a smaller part.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: let's we're just going to throw her in, and she she got the the second biggest female role in the in that show and it's it was kind of you know here's here's how you dub and mm-hmm. we have to move quickly we're going to teach you how to do this, and she's taken it and run with it and she's fantastic
1: <laughs> excellent so that's
0: that's a great example of uh you know just kind of finding somebody new um and, and getting going with them,
1: right? Quickly. And yeah, and there's uh, and as a quick aside about Outrack of Seven, I took a good look. I took a look at the cast list because I mean I'm seeing a lot of names recently on Anime News Network that I don't recognize, uh-huh. and it's like you know, oh wow, this person's doing this and this person's doing that, and I've never heard of them before, and they've only done like you know this thing and they were they were the Walla Group or they were right. you know a Soldier you know Red Shirt B, you know,
0: so and it's kind of a combination. Yeah, you know, not everybody obviously. Gets a, a lead role day one oh, yeah. when they're auditioning. Um, there are a lot of people who start out doing smaller parts and get more and more used to the dubbing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually really fun watching people kind of grow and develop as actors right. and start from doing walla and group stuff and, and bit parts, man A kind of <laughs> things, and uh, and then really develop into you know top notch lead role actors um, mm-hmm. that are that, that we rely on uh, to, to get the job done um, but yeah Erica 7AO we did find several new people uh, mm-hmm. Santi Reed uh, who plays Fleur uh, was yeah. brand new to us um, mm-hmm. she jumped right in and um, there's several others that are uh, Matt Thurston, yes. um, another guy. Which the last name's kinda of
1: fit the last name's kinda of fitting for Aureca <laughs> Seven. Which uh-huh. is on tsunami right now, actually. Uh-huh. The original's on tsunami. So <laughs> that's that's actually about as fitting a last name yeah. as you can get. Exactly.
0: So. Yeah. He's he's another guy who I think he had done a couple of walla sessions mm-hmm. and it was one of those those perfect fits of you know, he I'd worked with him on a couple things, uh, and then brought him in for an audition for for Eureka and it was it was a great fit. It was a great chance to to bring in somebody new and mm-hmm. kind of get him up to speed. And he did a great job with it.
1: I know this will likely depend on the series and also the type of series mm-hmm. it is. Whether it's a gag dub or whether it's a uh, you know whether it's you know a serious series like you know between like say you know Sergeant Frog and then you know Darker Than Black mm-hmm. or Shiki or Blood Sea or something like that. Um, how much leeway? Do you give your actors with ad-libbing? Because we know it's a necessary skill for acting in general. Mm-hmm. But even though you've got to hit the lip flaps, how much ad-libbing uh, space do you have? How much room do you got?
0: And you kind of hit on the point. It's it really does vary from the type of show. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of shows that we really try to stay very faithful to the translation and to mm-hmm. the original intent. Um, so there's there's a little less room. Actually, there's a lot less room for, for ad libbing <laughs> in that situation. Um, and when you get to to something like a Sergeant Frog or a Shin Chan, um, yeah. which I mean, those two are kind of the extreme examples yes. of kind of taking the original content and starting fresh and kind of uh, creating creating something new. Um, but there is there's kind of a middle ground. Uh, where you've got shows, um, let's see. Uh, f- 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 trying to think of a good example <laughs> of it. Um, I think Negamus Season Two. I didn't work on that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, or uh, actually, Begot HK. It's, yeah. That's a that's a great one uh, that I did work on. Um, where it's the the tone of the show is it's a comedy. It's yeah. it's humorous. There's a lot of room to still have the intent and. Uh, Get the message across of what the characters are trying to do and who mm-hmm. they are, yeah um, but especially when you're dealing with with humor there's a bit of localization that has right. to take place there's There's some jokes that just don't play necessarily you get uh, you get puns of of you know with especially ones with visuals yes. are the trickiest when you have some kind of uh, visual cue on screen right. and it's playing off of a Japanese word. But that word does not like the joke just doesn't translate. Right, because our word is completely different, and that do, that word doesn't sound like the word that they're trying to work in yeah. as comedy. So we end up having to write around that. And, right, and get a little creative sometimes, trying to make some of that that work. Yeah.
1: Um, Puns in general just don't translate, from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. when, especially like from what I've seen. Uh, Kanji in particular, they love, love, love making puns off of that yeah. stuff, and it just doesn't translate.
0: And you basically have two options. Either write around it mm-hmm. and kind of avoid it, or just go with it, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a little awkward. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's just there's just kind of a limit mm-hmm. to how much you can actually alter. Right, uh, right, Because of the the visuals that you have on screen.
1: Yeah. So... Um, well, that's about it. Uh, anything else? Anything you want to plug? Anything uh, you know that you're doing that you can talk about? Or
0: uh, right now, Aerica Seven AO—that's mm-hmm. uh, the big thing that we premiered this weekend in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got all of uh, a Certain Scientific Railgun—that's out now. I just
1: got that actually. Yeah. good series. Um, good series.
0: And then I've got a couple other things, like I've mentioned several times before. This weekend mm-hmm. that. I'm also pretty excited about that are coming out a little bit later this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's been announced yet. I think it's going to be announced in the next month or two. But mm. barring
1: around, any barring any surprises, <laughs> we get at the Funimation panel in about an hour. But
0: <laughs> uh, I think later this this summer, around August, I'm going to have several things right. hitting the shelves. Good, and, good. That are going to be pretty fun.
1: Good. So um, yeah, that's about it. Um, This um, yeah, and uh, actually this is my last interview for uh, Anime Boston. So uh, congratulations on that. Excellent, (laughs) absolutely. I ran the gauntlet and I came through it all fine. All right, you know, like Clint Eastwood. I'm bloody, I'm bloody, but the bus uh, the bus looks like hell, but I made it. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) thank you very much, Zach, and yeah, yeah, and uh, hope to see more or hear rather more of your work uh, very soon. Definitely, definitely. So excellent. Thanks for this. Absolutely. All right, and uh, that's about it from Boston, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you very, very much for tuning in to these exclusives on the Toonami Faithful Podcast. Um, it, it's been a lot of work, but this is the most fun I've had at Anime Boston in a very, very long time. Um, it's uh, Last time I had this much fun was way back in 2009, and I was still at it. I'd only been uh, attending the con uh, a couple of years by that point. So, uh, yeah, thank you all for uh, showing up. A humongous thank you to uh, Jameson, the press liaison, for making all of this happen, for uh, having me here. Um, and just, you know, being – and for everybody, all the voice actors in general, for just being so receptive and so psyched. Like, every, when they – I said tsunami, as soon as – I couldn't even get the E out of my mouth – and they were like, oh, my God, you know. So uh, I'm incredibly grateful for that. And, um, you know, th- th- this has just been amazing. But um, as Jose is fond of saying, though, guys, you ain't seen nothing yet. We're working on some stuff that we cannot talk about. But you ain't seen nothing yet, guys, rest assured. So uh, from Boston, this is your esteemed announcer, Jim Nelson, signing off.